It's 5 p.m. Welcome to the WTJX Newsfeed. In today's top stories, after yesterday's Homeland Security, Justice, and Public Safety meeting, senators voted in favor to subpoena BIPD Commissioner Ray Martinez. Lawmakers vote to establish an auxiliary communications unit under the Virgin Islands Territorial Emergency Management Agency. Division of Personnel Director Cindy Richardson has the results of the GESC Health Insurance Board elections. These stories and more on today's WTJX Newsfeed. From the Virgin Islands Public Broadcasting System Studios on St. Thomas, this is the WTJX Newsfeed with Marcelina Ventura Douglas. Welcome to the WTJX Newsfeed, bringing you the latest news and updates throughout our community. Motion to subpoena Police Commissioner Ray Martinez and his staff at the next scheduled uh, public safety hearing has been properly moved by Senator Franklin D. Johnson, second by Senator Bolkes, Senator DeGraff, Senator Heiliger, and Vice Chair Senator Fonseca. During Block 2 of yesterday's Committee of Homeland Security, Justice, and Public Safety hearing on St. John, lawmakers heard from concerned residents given the increase of crime on the island. Committee Chair Senator Kenneth Gittins voiced disappointment that the Commissioner for the Virgin Islands Police Department did not participate in the hearing, stating that it was possible they could have sent other representatives. We got to do what's right for the safety and well-being of those that's protecting us and for the community. And again, that's why I'm so uh, disappointed that our law enforcement officers are not here to just have a discussion. It's not an, an indictment on the agency, but we wanted to have a discussion. We wanted to share ideas and whatnot. But again, this is not the last. Sharon Cauldron, volunteer president of the Coral Bay Community Council, delivered testimony voicing the need for effective communication tools on St. John, also stating that it's exceedingly difficult for individuals to report assaults because victims see the process as ineffective and demeaning, often left to feel that there is no effort with their cases. Former Senator-at-Large Carmen Wesselhoff Hedrington noted on police shortage on the island, stating that there was reportedly only one detective on St. John. What's happening in St. John is very, very unsettling. About two, three years ago, my brother was kidnapped at gunpoint. To this date, nothing hasn't been done about it. It hasn't been solved. About a year ago, right next door to me, my mom's house, 10 o'clock in the morning, was robbed. Same brother, because he's a business owner. They are looking, they're checking to see who have business, they're checking to see where you're going with your money, it's getting real unsettling. Taxi drivers, every taxi driver is trying to, to get firearms now, but our firearm is nothing compared to what they have. This taxi driver was robbed with machine guns. Machine gun. I'm licensed, but the other taxi driver told me, don't even show it. Give them what they ask for because your life is more important. The Virgin Islands Office of Management and Budget and the National Telecommunications and Information Administration 
held their Internet for All workshop yesterday at the University of the Virgin Islands St. Thomas campus. The event was also streamed to the St. Croix campus and brought together stakeholders in the Virgin Islands from federal and territorial government agencies, as well as key collaborators to discuss the coordination of broadband efforts as the territory prepares to implement the broadband funds it received from the Broadband Equity Access and Deployment Program, a federal program which provides $42.45 billion nationwide to expand high-speed broadband internet access. The program was funded by the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act and is managed by the National Telecommunications Information Administration. The Virgin Islands was awarded $27.1 million from the grant program to ensure broadband equality throughout the community. At the opening of the ceremony, Governor Albert Bryant remarked on the importance of expanding the territory's digital access. So now in the Virgin Islands, we started this thing to try to make internet available for everyone. We started deploying wireless in every school, in every library, downtown areas, beaches, for free, five megabit. That was the initial, uh, uh, initial push for this. But I think President Biden was down here on vacation and son was like, this is a good idea. <laughs> he understands, he gets it. Leveling the playing field by creating access capability for everyone. Now our greatest challenge is how do we get more of it for lesser? OMB Director Jennifer O'Neill closed the ceremony acknowledging a recurring theme of the workshop, the need for education. We know education is a huge part of everything that we have to do. We're going to look at that in depth. Um, workforce development is another really big part of this. We have to develop our young people especially, especially our young men. We've got to keep pushing that. By December 1st, 2023, each state and territory must submit an initial proposal describing how their bead-related grant program will be administered. Each state and territory is required to solicit public comment on the draft of its initial proposal to ensure community engagement and input. Volume 1 and 2 of the initial proposal is now open for comment on OMB's website at omb.vi.gov and can be found under the bead tab. The Jobs for America's Graduates opening ceremony was held Wednesday at Government House on St. Croix and yesterday at Government House on St. Thomas. Governor Albert Bryan Jr. hosted and provided words of encouragement to students from the St. Croix Central High School, the St. Croix Educational Complex, and on St. Thomas, the Charlotte Amali High School, and the Ivana Yudorikin High School. Think about the incredible opportunity you have. How do I have opportunity? You're going to school for free. Your college is free. Your vacational training is free. And you have a 3.3% unemployment rate. Employers are dying to meet you. They want you to be ready. Why is JAG so important? Because JAG actually prepares you for life even more. The whole point of this is for you to get a job, own a company, start a business, and start providing for your family. You could do it. I did it. It wasn't easy, but that's why I'm making it easier for you. Santa Graham provided testimony on behalf of the students of the Charlotte Amali High School. It's more than just a program, it's a community. 
Seeing my peers thrive after being a part of JAG is truly motivational. Their success is a testament of the effectiveness of the program. It's not just about job readiness, but also about personal growth. During the Committee on Homeland Security, Justice, and Public Safety, lawmakers received testimony once again considering Bill Number 35-0086, an act amending Title III of the Virgin Islands Code to require background checks for all IT personnel and employees of the Bureau of Information Technology, agencies that have data centers, and any employee who handles confidential information. The measure proposed by Senator Dwayne DeGraff has undergone some amendments after a previous committee meeting in early October. Jonathan Tucker, the Deputy Director of the Bureau of Information Technology, delivered testimony acknowledging the merit of the bill. The bill currently places the responsibility for cost of background checks on the employment applicants. This provision should be thoughtfully administered to ensure it does not become a hindrance to individuals seeking employment, especially for rules requiring access to personally identifiable information, PII. Furthermore, for existing employees, the funding for background checks should be shouldered by the respective agencies. I recommend further clarification of the process and funding sources to facilitate a smooth implementation. Mr. Tucker maintained the same position from the previous hearing, that the responsibility of background checks should be with the Division of Personnel. Division of Personnel Director Cindy Richardson responded to inquiry posed by Senator-at-Large Angel Bolquez. BIT mentioned that they believe that the Department of Personnel should be the one who should be spearheading this. Um, why won't the Department of Personnel spearhead would that incur an additional cost to your budget in order to do so? What would be the parameters um, surrounding that? So as, as stated in the testimony, um, there are certain um, requirements or laws in place that we can, One minute. we can do as part of the intake process or the application process. One of our KPIs is to once the applications are in, is to get that referral listing to the respective agency in three days. So we hand over that listing to the agencies to then finalize the hiring process. Last fiscal year, Division of Personnel received over 10,000 applications and made over 4,200 referrals to the various agencies. So for us to, to do that, it would definitely not, we do not have enough staff to do that. But the closeout of the hiring process, it, it, it starts and ends with the agency. They do the interviews. They know what they want. The proposed measure was voted upon favorably and will be forwarded to the Committee on Rules and Judiciary for further consideration. You're in the WTJX News Feed. The Division of Personnel held the elections for the GESC Group Health Insurance Board of Trustees on Tuesday, November 7th. Director Cindy Richardson has the details. The results for the elections were held on Tuesday, November 7th, 2023, and they are as follows. Follow for the St. Thomas St. John results for active employee candidates, Dr. Gilbert Comision took 82% of the votes casted. Dr. Krishna Killaroo took 15% of the votes casted. Dr. Louis Sylvester 
took 3% of the votes casted. In the St. Croix district, for the active employee candidates, Ms. Beverly Joseph took 66% of the votes casted, and Dr. M. Treasure took 34% of the votes casted. Both candidates who are currently board members have successfully retained their seat to represent the government active employees in their respective districts. The two retiree candidates, Ms. Lori Anderson in the St. Thomas, St. John district, and Ms. Deborah Christopher in the St. Croix district were unopposed. They automatically retained their seat on the GSE board representing the government retirees foregoing an election in this category. The winners will serve on the GSE health insurance board for the next two years. I am pleased to add that this year's election garnered a 49% increase in the participation compared to the previous election held in 2021. The Division of Personnel would like to thank all of the government employees who took the time out to exercise their right to vote and to express special congratulations to the winners with thanks for their willingness to serve. In related news, the Division of Personnel St. Croix office will be closed on Monday, November 13th. The staff will be assisting the division's drive through produce distribution for Cigna active employees and Cigna retirees under the age of 65 and their dependents who registered and actively participated in the 2023 Virtual Annual Health and Wellness Expo held Thursday, July 13, 2023. It takes place at the D.C. Canagata Ballpark from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Individuals are reminded to walk with their IDs for verification. During the St. Croix office closure, if individuals have questions, contact the St. Thomas office at 340-774-8588. During Block 1 of the Committee on Homeland Security, Justice, and Public Safety, lawmakers received testimony on Bill No. 35-0175, proposed by committee chair Senator Kenneth Gittins. It establishes an auxiliary communications unit within Vitima. Fred Kleber, the manager of the American Radio Relay League, delivered testimony highlighting the importance of an auxiliary unit. In today's litigious society, even a hot cup of coffee can become the target of a lawsuit. It's for this reason I felt calmly that given the nature of Aries activities, an OXCOM structure should be formalized and risk mitigation be implemented. Conversely, the lack of liability coverage, similar to the Good Samaritan Act, could become an impediment to volunteering. People may weigh the consequences and prefer to avoid becoming vulnerable in a lawsuit by simply not volunteering. As we experienced during Irma and Maria, ham operators were a vital component in this disaster and recovery plans. The territory would have been further devastated without the essential services provided by ham radio operators. Senator Ray Fonseca inquired to Mr. Klepper on the age requirements of being an operator. I have a son is uh, 15 years old. Uh, would he be allowed to um, take this course and become a an ham operator? Thank you for the question, Senator. One of the pillars of amateur radio is outreach in the educational community for STEM, so-called STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math. 
amateur radio operator licenses have been granted to individuals as young as five years old. There's no age limit to the entry, and as you heard, it can have profound impact on one's life. There are currently 285 licensed ham radio operators in the U.S. Virgin Islands. Highlighting one of the main benefits of collaborating with operators is that most of them have equipment at home. For Vitima's part, Assistant Director Stephen de Blasio affirmed that the proposed legislation would only strengthen the department's ability to fulfill its mandate. The proposed measure was voted upon favorably. This week, Congresswoman Stacey Plaskett joined her House colleague, Congressman Mark Molinaro of New York, to introduce the Farm to School Act to get more fresh, locally grown foods in schools across the nation. The bill will expand the Farm to School program for school-aged children by making significant investments and notably increases the funding for the program from $5 million to $10 million. We spoke with Summer Sibley Brown, founder and executive director of the Virgin Islands Good Food Coalition, on how the expansion will benefit the territory. Farm to School is a USDA program that encourages in the USDA's office of community food system. And the purpose of the program is to build strong local food economies. It's an opportunity to leverage federal dollars to get more local food into schools. Farm to School does three things. First thing it does is it allows for local procurement. Um, so it's the person getting a higher quality of food. It's a student getting an opportunity to have enhanced education and explore new career fields. And lastly, it's making the Virgin Islands a stronger place. So the benefit of these new enhancements is Farm to School has been happening for a while now. But we really... I personally feel like this benefit is one telling the USDA, please, right, this program is necessary, keep it going, and it's an opportunity for the Virgin Islands to invest more money in local farms um, and leverage more federal dollars. There's like three or four grant programs that come out of the Farm to School office. One that Pharma can apply to, one nonprofits can apply to, schools can apply to, and then there's the local school lunch office can apply for farm to school grants. So it's really infusing opportunities for more federal cash to come and support us in building our local food economy. You're in the WTJX news feed. The Virgin Islands Police Department is informing the St. Croix community that there will be parking restrictions for the upcoming Veterans Day Parade being held Saturday, November 11th. The parade route will now take place in Frederickstead Town from the post office due to the current road conditions in Christiansted Town. There will be no parking on King Street from KFC to the corner of Emancipation Drive. Additionally, there will be no parking from 7 a.m. to 1 p.m. Parking restrictions will be enforced from 7 a.m. and any vehicles parked in the restricted areas will be towed. The All Saints Cathedral School Alumni and Supporters Association has announced plans for an all-class reunion and 95th anniversary celebration. Alumnus Renata Christian West has the details. The All Saints All Class Reunion is being held December 20th to the 24th, and it's an opportunity for us to bring, you know, all the classes together um, that graduated um, from this prestigious uh, school. 
The celebration includes a welcome event on Wednesday, December 20th called Reclaim the Campus, where attendees can tour the school, engage with the faculty and staff and fellow alumni. And then it's followed by a community service day on Thursday, December 21st. Um, that's also being held at the school. Um, the crown jewel of the reunion is the 95th anniversary soiree on Friday, December 22nd. Um, and that is being held at the Kathenberg Mansion on St. Thomas. And then on Saturday, December 3rd, we're going to have the Motor Rally and Megan's Bay Cooler Fet. Um, If you've attended All Saints um, in previous years, the Motor Rally was a very big event um, for the students where we drive around the island, like kind of on a scavenger hunt, looking for clues and ultimately leading us to um, the final destination at Megan's Bay where we're going to have a beach party. And then um, on the next day, December 24th, we're going to wrap up the celebration with Mass at the All Saints Church um, at 9.30 a.m. So it's really an opportunity for all the alumni of All Saints, whether you're living here or you're living in the States, to come together and celebrate the 95th anniversary of the school. And it's an opportunity to give back to the school as well. This is a fundraiser. So any proceeds that um, we make from this event will go to the school. Um, www.allsaints95th.com. On the website, um, you can see more information about the events. We're also um, selling swag, um, different um, uh, bags, shirts, all representing All Saints School. Again, the proceeds from these sales as well go to the school. Um, we're also going to be including um, a link to purchase Cardow All Saints watches. Um, they do produce a, a watch with the All Saints logo and fate on the face. So that's a very cool um, item that our alumni can pick up. Christmas is coming up, so that's a really good gift idea. The Virgin Islands Water and Power Authority is informing the St. Croix community of two scheduled service interruptions occurring this weekend. On Saturday, November 11th, beginning at 8 a.m., the following neighborhoods will experience little to no water service for approximately eight hours. The neighborhoods of Calcahoon, Grove Place, Upper Love, Estate Glen, and Concordia East will be affected. Additionally, on Sunday, November 12th, from 6 a.m. to 11 a.m., there will be scheduled electrical service interruptions affecting a portion of customers on feeder 1A. Customers impacted by the scheduled electrical outage are Christians the Town, Hotel on the Key, the Deshabair Housing Community, Water Gut, portions of Estate Richmond, the Pink Fancy Hotel, Red Brick, and WJCK. As we move through the news feed, we turn now to our regional report. Yesterday, the Dominican Republic accused Haiti of multiple border violations. AP News reports that Foreign Minister Roberto Alvarez held a news conference on the issue days after an armed confrontation between Dominican soldiers and members of a Haitian environmental government brigade. The standoff occurred this past Tuesday near one of more than 300 concrete barriers that delineate the border. The incident is allegedly stemmed from apparent confusion over border limits. A spokesman for the office of Haiti's prime minister declined comment on Thursday and referred to a statement the government issued on Wednesday in which it accused Dominican soldiers of violating Haitian territory. 
In our final update on the news feed, we turn now to the territory's weather forecast. Here's a latest look at the short-term forecast. I'm meteorologist Eric Weglars. Scattered showers will continue this afternoon under mostly cloudy skies. At St. Croix, temperatures will hold in the middle 80s. Winds remain stronger from the east at 20 to 25 miles per hour gusts as high as 28 to 30. At St. Thomas and St. John, we'll also find mostly cloudy skies with scattered showers. Highs are a bit warmer in the upper 80s. Winds from the east at 20 to 25, gusts close to 30. Tonight features cloudy skies and scattered showers, especially after midnight. At St. Croix, temperatures will fall back to near 80 under mostly cloudy skies. At St. Thomas and St. John, showers are expected as well. Temperatures are similar near 80. Winds from the east at 20 to 25 through the overnight period. Veterans Day features scattered showers early, then mostly cloudy skies with a few stray showers in the afternoon at St. Croix. Temperatures are similar in the middle 80s. Winds from the east at 15 to 20 miles per hour. And at St. Thomas and St. John, we'll find sunshine. Showers are expected early in the day with sun increasing through the afternoon. Temperatures in the upper 80s. Winds from the east at 20 to 25 miles per hour. That's the latest look at your short-term forecast. I'm meteorologist Eric Weglars. We are at the end of today's WTJX News Feed. I'm Marcelina Ventura Douglas. Join me every weekday at 5 p.m. Be sure to download the WTJX app. And if you missed a part of our news, listen to it on demand wherever you get your podcasts. We at WTJX thank our veterans for their courage and sacrifice and wish everyone a safe holiday weekend.